0: Welcome back y'all to episode 169 of the Zachary Wingate podcast where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast as well as informing as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax and listen and enjoy the show. All right, I'm currently convinced that our generation will have some of the worst white-collar criminals of all time. And in general, just really bad criminals. People who get caught, who have no idea what they're doing. And if they're not getting caught, they're just really, really lucky. And today we are going to be covering one of them. Let's be frank, dot, dot, dot. Charlie Javis, two-time graduate of the Ward School located in PA. Um, Once again, we're getting into a story where some Jarvis, who was a 30 under 30 fortune, Forbes list, um, is being caught with her hand in the cookie jar, the best way to put it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit of audio for you so you can kind of get a feeling for what we're talking about here, some information and kind of her tone. And this is actually taken from the Planet Economic podcast go and check it out. I just recorded the intro of her talking, but shout out to them. If you want to go ahead and listen to the full interview, you can find it over there.
1: For sure, happy to. Um, so, started, Frank, about almost four years ago now. And, you know, education's always been a passion of mine and something that ran deep in the family. And always kind of told if you have the opportunity to pay it forward, um, and education is really the best thing you could give to somebody. And I've felt very lucky in my career very early on that you know my parents invested in my education. I've been given tremendous opportunity to be able to give back in this way. And so I created Frank um, in a way to help students navigate one of the largest investment decisions in their lives, which in the U.S. is very much paying for college and um, making it a little bit easier. And so we start at the very beginning of the process when people are faced with making the decision of what school they need to choose and how they're gonna pay for it. In the US it's called um, FAFSA, which is a financial aid application for federal And usually it helps with state and school funding as well. And so we turned that process from, I think the Gates Foundation said 13 hours down to less than five minutes. And now we serve over 4 million students who turn to us and trust us for financial advice and guidance as they navigate scholarships, state aid, federal aid, negotiating with their school to get better discounts. And um, our most recent, which is taking online courses that can transfer for credit. At a much cheaper rate than their university.
0: I mean, listen to that pitch. I mean, if you hear that, you'd be like, okay, this person is trustworthy. Sounds like she really is wanting to help students kind of go through this paperwork process, which if you haven't done it, is a headache. I've done the FAFSA, all the paperwork, et cetera, et cetera. Her site was supposed to kind of quench the time down, make it go quicker, um, and go from there. So she was really working. Um, For the company, Frank, so Frank, like she said, it started back in June of 2016. And where the story gets interesting is around 2021, J.P. Morgan kind of went on this bender where they spent about $5 billion um, acquisitioning multiple different companies, kind of putting under an umbrella for focusing on different investments. Um, Frank came under the radar, under the lens, and they met with her. And they went through there, and they went through the pure procurement proc- procurement process, and purchased Frank. Now, as a part of the deal, they sweetened it, and they allowed her to be kind of on as a CEO, of managing director, at J.P. Chase Morgan, where she has worked there for the last year and a half. Okay, she also has been part of the Walt School, and she started another pro another company called um, Power Up, which apparently. It's still on her LinkedIn account. I'm currently looking at it right now. Um, so, doing a little bit of background research on this case, the reason why it's so interesting is in the last few weeks, last few days, she is going under allegation and being sued for $1.75 million, the same amount that Frank was purchased by the CEO of JP, JP Morgan. Um, now, why? You're kind of like, you know, it's another one of these things. It's. It feels so much like FTX, where we're listening to this Ivy League, very smart person who's really well-articulated, very young, kind of schmooze through these concepts of where they start with this kind of, you know, it's like Sam Bankman Friedman talking about out Kind of like when Sam Bankman Friedman was talking about taking his money, spending it on people, You heard being like, yes, we need to help students, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, okay. Maybe the company started with good intentions, but here kind of where it went sideways. Okay. If you look into that interview, listen to that interview. She's claiming that she's helped over 4 million people in the last four years. When she met with JPMorgan Chase, she indicated that she had all of those emails that were warm leads. Okay. All those emails that have interacted with her company. They've gone through this process. They're really comfortable with her and those Le- those emails were a part of the purchasing so it kind of shows you now within society where it stands if you have a database of emails and you're reaching out to people and they're considered warm leads not cold random people this was a part of the deal whenever she purchased it because the information wasn't that crazy okay so come to find out a year and a half later JP Morgan is start doing investigations about the the purchasing of the company, and they found out that those 4 million emails, 90% of them are fake. I'm going to repeat that. 90% of these emails are fake, okay? So it kind of puts this whole thing in a different, different trajectory, but they've already closed on it. So they spent $175 million on this company, which in the grand scheme of things isn't that much within the company to determine that they have fake emails. And here's where it gets even crazier. Okay. About 175,000 of them are real. Now she actually went to a data professor at a university and had him come up with the rest of the fake emails as a part of the transition cycle. Transition cycle. Of the purchasing cycle. So whenever she went and said, hey, we have these emails. Okay. They thought they were real emails. So J.P. Morgan Chase is like, great, we have 4 million people. You're literally hearing her say it in that interview. That's what she's opening up with. I mean, it's like, is that not like a pathological liar to be like, hey, even in this interview they're indicating she has 4 million email, emails. She goes through this purchasing process. She leverages her company and gets her a job at J.P. Morgan. Okay. Now where it gets even more serious, you think that that company would do some type of deep investigation to determine if this purchase was true, looking through all of the books, auditing everything, determining if the emails were in fact real, all the information was real. And if there was a value add on the books, they only were able to determine that this was all fake because they looked through her emails while, when she worked at Frank. So she looked through the, they looked through the Frank emails of her a year and a half later, to determine that all of the emails that she was purchasing were actually fake, through the data scientist professor at another university. I mean, I mean, what? Like what? I mean, I guess she made the CEO Jamie Davis, Jamie Davis, Di- Jamie, Jamie Diamond, look stupid. But you know, she paid like a hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars for that email list to make it look like it was $4 million and go from there. Why $4 million, I don't know. But, I mean, when you hear this story, and it's like another person on the, I've said it again, the Forbes 30 under 30 list creating this weird pipeline of fake investment, fake companies for other companies to invest in, these big-time bankers. I mean, it really makes you wonder, like, what's going on with this in the, within this environment? Like, where was the due diligence, how many of these companies are being purchased that aren't even real? It's like I could create, and it's like I see this on her website of the old company. I mean, it just, you click on the website, you know, founder, You if I click on the site, I go to it, and it's just, it's the weirdest website. You know, it's like looking at her LinkedIn, this is what's crazy, okay? It says manager, head of student solutions at Morgan Chase. I have no idea what that is. Founder and CEO of Frank, six years. The Ward School, she was there for 12 years. Founder of PO P- Pover Up, okay. She was there for nine, five years. She's a board member, an intern. You know, it's like the only job she really had looked like she was an intern, okay. So looking at that, even if I looked at the due diligence of it, it's like you would think you would want to know what the company was doing, how they were acquisitioning and you know we're we're just we're going down this road again you know and i i would not be surprised if we're not going to get more of this and we're going to get people who it's almost like if you go to an ivy league school okay like let like just go down this rabbit hole with me you go to an ivy league school you have decent grades you get out you do a you do a tech startup okay you do a tech startup and you call it like beans and in beans you teach people how to do different investment acquisition processes and forecasting of student loan investments and then you look at the the financial um kind of overview of when you take people's money and incur it in account that is ira based that allows for percentages to be released over a period of time that could potentially pay for your college okay i just made all that up and then i just talk about how you know while i was in school at this ivy league school you know this was a big dream of mine and now I've implemented it. And now we're working through this process to have over a hundred, it's just like, when I talk like that, it's like people just eat it up and I don't know why, but I do believe within our generation, it's almost like these white collar criminals and are going to be caught more and more and more. And it's like, are we, and you know, how many, how many people under 30, it's like, take me back to the days of the Bernie Madoffs where the guy was so good at the at his system that he didn't even get caught until he was well in his fifties. Obviously I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I'm just saying like that's like a really good like a Ponzi criminal scheme. This is just ridiculous. I mean, you're not even looking at the emails? Like, I don't know I don't know why as a society these things keep happening, like the crypto, the JP Morgan as well. Like it just it just seems like it's getting to a point where we're we're just gonna keep seeing it. Um, but I mean, I don't, I mean, just, and I keep thinking about the Thanos lady who changed her voice in order to indicate she was selling. How was the voice go? I don't know. She changed her whole voice to sell the fact that she had this med kit that could test blood and Steve jobs and everybody was a part of it. And they thought it was the next big thing investing in it. Um, and she's pregnant now and she's about to go to jail pregnant. Okay. Because of it. So I really think there is something to be said about like these upper echelon people. They kind of once you're part of the circle, if you make it into the circle, they're literally going to just that's all the accreditation they need, you know, and they don't need a whole background check. You know, if you kind of fit that part, you go through this Ivy League system. It's almost like you're speaking the same language of what of whatever is being said. You know, going back to that original interview, if you listen to that, there's nothing that indicates that person is lying. Okay. And what's really scary is her ability to break down the lie, believe it, and then go to a podcast like that and indicate that they have 4 million um, subscribers and just a flat. I mean, I can't, I don't even know how to like put it into words. Like, I've never seen so much lying except for um, Sam Bakeman Freeman lying about all of his investments and altruism and how he wants to help people and how he drives a Prius and yada yada yada, and it was all just fake. Um, it really makes me wonder you know what what is going on with this this gen Z millennial under me kind of mindset for for crime it's you know and then the guy who just came out with fire the guy who got busted for that festival, Firefox is now coming out and he's wanting to start something new so it's like the millennial criminals are just really, really bad, and they do things that get them caught. And the white-collar crimes, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if in one month, I'm talk, one month I'm talking about another one. So put it out there. So thank you guys for listening. I've appreciated all the support. And uh, we're going to keep pushing through on this. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. And I think we got some big things coming for sure. Got some things planning, looking to elevate the podcast, do a couple new things, possibly with production and go from there. So thank you guys for listening. And we will get back to you tomorrow.